1: This is a new Bible I'm using this year, and my old Bible, I've taken every book of the Bible, and at the front of that, I always give a one-word summary what it is. This book deals with, for example, it might be sin in Genesis, uh, or um, Exodus to leave or to exit. Uh, I go through all those books. Well, this year, I am speaking to you, trying to stay on your Bible reading schedule, but Uh, Every Wednesday night it's a book and we give a brief synopsis of what that book is about. And I've used the letter R in this Bible so every time I get to a new book we have the letter R. Genesis was rune, R-U-I-N, if you have that before you. It began with life and it ended in a coffin in Egypt. And everything in between there are all the different sins we've mentioned and we'll go on. Exodus is to exit or to remove. Leviticus deals with righteousness. 87 times we have uh, the word righteous. Numbers is a roll book uh, recording the names of the children of Israel. Deuteronomy, that word Deuteronomy means what? Words. And so they're the remarks, we put it. Joshua is a region. God gave them areas where they needed to conquer. And uh, cities that need to be conquered in this region and that region. Judges uh, as rulers. Ruth is very obviously seat. Ruth. And uh, reign is first and second Samuel. The reign of three uh, particular people that we saw in the book of Samuel. And much of 1 Samuel deals with that reign and then the, uh, also the others. First uh, and second Kings is royalty. And we notice that there are 19 kings of Judah, 19 kings of Judah, uh, Israel and Judah, uh, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, what is called Israel, what is called Judah, and um, 19 in Israel were all wicked, every one of them, not one good one. Uh, Judah, we took several of those kings and we saw great qualities. First and second Chronicles is the book of review. It's reviewing what took place predominantly in kings but also in Samuel, and last week we saw a return, and that was Ezra. There is a twofold chapters one through six is a return under Zerubbabel, and in chapter number seven we deal with uh, we well, deal with um, uh, Ezra that comes to the scene, and he begins to uh, rebuild the worship. Uh, Zerubbabel rebuilt the temple, and Ezra rebuilt the worship. Those people needed to know how to worship God. And so we bring ourselves, and of course it's a post captivity book Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Those three go together. We remember that? I hope so. Did you have a long day today? You know what I think we'll do? We're, I'm just going to ha- order right now Starbucks, and we'll come through the auditorium and we'll serve Starbucks during this two hour and 42 minute message here. So would, it, would anybody be in favor of that? You know, if you, would anybody be in favor of going to Starbucks? Yes, yeah, that's what I thought. Just the heathen, all right. So there we go. We're in a state and we're not having Starbucks in the auditorium. But uh, So Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. I love the book of Nehemiah. If you know your pastor, my favorite proverb is Proverbs 23. I love Proverbs 23. It deals with every subject. deals with money, deals with work, deals with the family, the home, Uh, it it, it deals with rights. I love Proverbs 23. Uh, My favorite story in the Old Testament is chapter 37. Through 50 in Genesis, particularly 45 through 50, Joseph. I can hardly read that story. What his brothers did to him then when he declared, I am Joseph. You know, That's it, it, my favorite story. I was telling that to my son one day here a few about a year or so ago. He goes, That's my favorite story. I love the story of Joseph. My uh, favorite hospital psalm is 17 verses, Psalm 86. It is the most powerful. I read it if you're in the hospital. I've been reading it for 40-some years Uh, if I come to see you in the hospital. My favorite Old Testament book is Nehemiah. My favorite New Testament book is Philippians. This book is so motivating to me, so exciting to me. And uh, the captivity had now basically ended. and Nehemiah stayed, and he was still cupbearer to the king. And we know what a cupbearer was. That was just simply simply somebody that would taste the food, the liquid, and would drink it. And if that person would not choke and die, then the king would. And he became very close to the king. And in Nehemiah, uh, he is there. It came to pass, verse number one, in the month of Cheslu. Cheslu is December. And so in December, something happens. And he was in Shushan, the palace, a wonderful position. He was not working out in the fields, he was working in a palace. And and Hanani, his brethren came, and and Hanani discussed and told him. He said in verse three, verse three, let's read it together, ready, begin. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and the gates of are, are burned with fire. Every city had a wall. Every city had gates. It was to protect from wild beasts. It was to protect from foreign entities and armies that would come and invade. And the Bible says that so Hananiah comes and he tells them what happened. The walls are broken down, the gates are down. The people of God are exposed to danger. You know, mother and dad and pastors and Sunday school teachers and bus workers, uh, we need to put some walls around the people that are in our care to make sure they're not exposed to danger. And that's what our Sunday school teachers do and God bless you and our bus workers do. And the Bible says, and I want you to mark the five things that take place in verse four, and it came to pass when I heard these words, what words, the condition of his city. One, I sat down. I sat down. Secondly, I what? Wept. Thirdly, what? Mourned. Fourth, I did what? Fasted. And five, I what? Prayed. There's a great illustration of how to handle trouble. When you and I have adversity and disappointment and setbacks, we ought to take the prayer of Nehemiah and sit down and and weep and mourn and fast and pray. Tonight, we're gonna look at what I call the letter R to rebuild. Nehemiah's 13 great chapters. And it's about rebuilding. And I want you to see with me if you wanna take a turn on your sheet there, if you wanna write some things down, you can, or write it in your Bible, or just listen, whatever you wanna do. I find that in rebuilding the wall, He started first by rebuilding the leader. He rebuilt himself. You know, you're not prepared to lead anyone, whether it's in a marriage or in a ministry or in a job, a career, you're not prepared to lead until you first have dealt with yourself. Most of my life, and it's been this week, like last week and the week before, and I think of one of the most tragic calls I received this week already, and it's really a life that's had so much hurt and wound and sorrow. And loved ones, as a result, go to jail. And they tried every way to go forward with their life. They tried this marriage and this marriage and this situation, and this this person, and this person, this job, and this city, and this state. And I ache for the person, because the person's not a bad person. The person has got to go back and deal here before you go forward. Sometimes we think, if I could just get a girlfriend or a boyfriend, if I could just get married, if I could just have some kids, then I'll be happy. But not until you rebuild back over here. I think sometimes a couple thinks, okay, we're having marital problems. Maybe if we just had another child. Oh, wow, that's a good idea. And we find in chapter one that Nehemiah was interested in God building him before he began to build the people and the wall. He's gonna have to build the people. You cannot build a wall without preparing and building the people. And he allowed God, when these words came to him, he didn't get mad, he didn't get angry, he didn't go to Facebook, he didn't write people, he didn't preach against people, he was not mad, he didn't blame his mother, his father, he didn't blame another country, he dealt with himself. And tonight I wanna ask you, as you rebuild or build something around the lives of your marriage, your home, your family, your ministry, whatever it might be, let God deal with you first. I find that when I let God speak to me about the messages, I don't say, I think this is good for you. Because God has already worked in my heart in my office it's me, I need this tonight. If you'll listen to a preacher and begin to listen to what he's preaching about, you'll find a lot of times a pattern. He's preaching to his own needs. Every person on planet earth has needs. And I find out if I have this need or you have this need or I, I, I have this need, that you have that same similar need. We're living in a day of, Fear, and I don't wanna be motivated by fear. Sometimes my faith wavers and I begin to look at circumstances, and when I begin to look this way, instead of look this way, it becomes hopeless. I truly believe tonight, yes, I believe America is under the judgment hand of God, but wait a minute. I believe we're so ripe for revival. I believe we're real ripe for revival, so well, No, it's gonna wax worse and worse. Well, let it wax worse and worse everywhere else, but right here, we still can have a revival. I know this auditorium generally is so filled uh, on Sunday morning and even Sunday night, and I understand all that, but I pray, I've been praying, Lord, may every seat of this 3,000-seat auditorium be packed, and may every one of the 280 chairs in that auditorium downstairs be packed, and all the classrooms packed, and the auditorium will be here, packed, and all the rooms over there, packed, and the gymnasium, packed, and the other property, jam-packed. Wouldn't it be great? I'm gonna count it up one day. I think maybe we put both properties together and don't go on a counting spree now the next few moments. I imagine we could sit about eight to 10,000 people at the same time. Wouldn't it be great? So that can't happen. These are dark days oh, the darker the night, the brighter the light. I truly believe God can still send revival. I'm not gonna be surprised in 70 months, 71 months, as we paid off the debt over there that we burned the mortgage here. We're, we're, we're on track to a little bit ahead of schedule. I'm not burdened, I'm, not, I'm not, not bothered that we still have three more buses to buy. Bought three more last week. We bought 15 more last year. I'm not, I, I, that's, that's not a worry to me. Where we park is not a worry to me. What what God's going to still do in these last days is not a worry to me, because God is in control. You rebuild the leader. Would you let God rebuild you, build you in faith, and encourage and build you spiritually together, that we might let God build us? Does God ever speak to you? Say, you're on a conviction here. This, this, I'm convicting you, Jack. I want you to deal with this. I was praying this week for God's people and got thinking about, and I know you can make a decision where you're at and all that. I wonder how long I've pastored you. Five years? In five years, did anything ever move you to come and kneel and pray? Ten years? I know everybody's personality is different. Last summer, I took a lot of different preachers in our church and let them preach. And I'd preach some, they'd preach. And as they preached, I tell you, I'd sit here every time an invitation. God was speaking to my heart. I want it to be that way. When our son was here, he preached the first Sunday night and the third Sunday morning. I don't think there was ever a time And I didn't go forward to let him see it. I normally went around that corner right there. God spoke to my heart. Great churches keep the altar wet with the tears of God's people, burdened about people. You say some people come all the time. Well, let them. Because maybe you're one that never comes. I find that in rebuilding the wall, God has to rebuild the, the leader. Chapter two, verse 18. In building the wall, God has to build or rebuild the people. Verse 17, then I said, I unto them, ye see the distress that we're in, how that Jerusalem lieth waste and the gates that are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, but we be no more a reproach. Then I told them the good hand of my God, which is good upon me as also the king's word that he had spoken to me. They said, they said, what'd they say? Read it together, please. Let us rise up and build. So they strengthen their hands for this good work. Nehemiah came to him and he said, folks, I want to tell you about a, a condition. I want to tell you about a need. I want to tell you what's happening and what we can do about it. I love the people of God in the book of Nehemiah because they didn't say, well, Let's get a committee together and let's figure out what's going on. Let's just be slow about this. It's just, after all, it's just Jerusalem and she's lying waste and she's exposed to danger. No, when they saw something, they rose up and they said, Let us rise up and build. Someone ought to write a book about the courage of North Valley Baptist Church. I've watched it for all these years and I know that we could face difficult days in the days that lie ahead, but it seems like every time there's something difficult we have to face, God's people said, let's deal with it. Let's face it. Let's not run, let's not blame, let's not quit, let's not attack. He said, let us build. Uh, you'll notice in chapter five, go there just for the sake of time. In five, and you're gonna see how these people uh, were, were building together and how they worked. And I, I, I had you turn there. I think I'll come back there in just a minute because I'll get too far off track here. But go back to chapter two, verse 10, where we are there, chapter two, verse 10. So you rebuild the leader and you rebuild the people. Then in rebuilding, you will be attacked you will be attacked. God's people tonight, uh, you might be attacked right now. It might be from work, it might be from family, it may be from the devil, it may be from your flesh, it may be from another Christian. Chapter two, verse 10, when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Grecian, uh, their uh, servant, and Ammonite heard it, they grieved them exceedingly. There was come a man to seek for the welfare of the children of Israel. Tobiah and Sanballat did not praise the Lord. Nehemiah's here. It grieved him that someone came to help God's people. Notice chapter four. Chapter four, verse number one. But when it came to pass, when Sanballat heard that we built the wall, he was wroth, and he took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before the brethren in the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews Will they what, what, what will they fortify themselves will they sacrifice will they make an end of the day will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned now Tobiah the Ammonite see there's a, another brother getting involved this here Sambalat now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him and said even that which they built if a fox lightest walking creature go up upon it he he uh, up He he even shall break down the stone wall. Why do you run that bus? Why do you go to church? Why do you go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday? Why do you do that? People ridicule it. Look at what he says in verse number seven. And it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Astrodites heard the walls of Jerusalem made up and that the breaches began to be stopped. They were very wroth. And they conspired all of them together to come to fight against Jerusalem to hinder it. I'm not saying we're the only church in the Silicon Valley. I'm not saying we're the only church in Santa Clara. But, friend, I'm telling you what, there's not a lot of churches that the devil has to hinder in the Silicon Valley. And I don't say it boastfully, I think it's very sad. Our city, 130 some thousand people. I don't believe there's any type of church on Wednesday night open of any kind, but one. If you were gonna attack a church, Mr. Devil, which one would you choose? I think, I, I think you'd know. I'm not suggesting we've arrived. I'm not suggesting the rest are bad people. Chapter six, look, look at these, how, how they keep fighting against them. You know, this battle, it never stops. It never stops. There's always somebody against the work of God. Now it came to pass when Sanballat the to- and, to- uh, and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not yet set up the doors on the gates, and Sanballat and Geshem said unto me, saying, come, let us, let us meet together. In some one of the villages in the plains of Ono, oh, and they thought to do me in uh, mischief. Uh, let's let's have a a religious time together. Let's we're all one. No no no. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? And, oh, verse five. And then sent Sam Ballad, his servant unto me in the light manner of the fifth time the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. And he he said about these Jews, they are rebelling. He said in verse seven, come, let's take counsel together. Verse number nine, they made us, uh, they all made us afraid saying their hands will be weakened from the work that cannot be done. And then they said in verse 10, let's meet together in the house of God. I I want you to know whenever you say rise up and build, the enemy, the devil, and the enemy against your life will always say, rise up and oppress. If you don't have any oppression, you're probably not building anything. We're talking about rebuild the leader, rebuild the people, rebuild, rebuilding. When you rebuild, you'll be attacked. When you rebuild, you involve everyone. I'll just point out to you chapter three. I wish you'd go through as I have in this Bible and mark all the word, you find the word house. Nehemiah organized these people in chapter three that everybody went to work every day for 52 days and they worked right by their house. They had investment there. And not just the house, it was where their family resided. I wanna make sure my family is safe. So he put these people by the sheep gate and he put these people by the water gate and he put these people by all gates around that city. From that point, People began to work, and they labored in the work. Rebuilding always takes involvement. You folks, you remember these days, and we were not building this building. We had an outside contractor build, and companies build this building. But don't you remember how we involved ourselves in prayer, and giving was constant? Don't you remember that very first 32,000-square-foot building over there and on Sunday night, I'd say, okay, we're raising money for every square foot of concrete, which includes the rebar, which includes all the plumbing in the foundation. And we need X amount, and we'd color it in with a, a yellow marker. And this day, we got this much, and then we got this much, and then we got this much. And we got it all in. And I said, now, folks, we're needing the plate on the bottom, it's pressured, pressurizing, to put plates all the way around the bottom here. It's gonna cost can you buy that? And then those walls are two by sixes and some places two by eights. And I said, we have truckloads coming this week. I wonder how many of you could buy a two by eight or two by 10. And we did everything that way for two years. And we did the insulation that way. And we did the sheetrock that way. And we did the trusses that way. And we did the air conditioners that way. I think there's 30 some in that original building up on top of the roof. And, and we did the roofing that way. We did everything that way. And the windows that way. And every Sunday morning, people knew, and if you were in that church in that time, you knew we were gonna raise money Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night after every service. And you know, to this day, I've never had a person, I've never had a person complain about the giving around here. I've had people respond. We need some buses, well, let's respond. We have a missionary in Cambodia, we said Sunday and people responded so very well. I'm talking about the fact we have to be involved. In your family, if you wanna put a wall around the family, you're gonna get them all involved in this thing. Families ought to play together and pray together and precept together and punish or discipline. That'll all be part of the family. I find in rebuilding, you begin with the leader, the people, you begin to attack, there's involvement, Look at chapter 4, verse 6. And I'll be early tonight. So built we the wall. All the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind at work. You're rebuilding to the midway point. When rebuilding, you get to the midway point, that's the dangerous point. I was dealing with somebody last week, I have no idea, I can't remember who it was. And I said, you're at the midway point. And I gave the illustration to them. And I mentioned, that, I think Sunday night here. I think, I believe, I might be wrong. Maybe your freshman year was your hardest and most difficult in college or sophomore year or junior year a senior, I don't know. But it just seems generally to me And if you're moving into it, you're watching, you're gonna be a sophomore in our college. If you're a sophomore in high school, don't convince yourself, okay, it's gotta be my, my, but it seems like that's the hard year, the difficult. And you get to that midway point. You get right there, you have a decision to make. I think many of you are celebrating your 25th anniversary marriage. I think there's some decisions that need to be made. There's a lot of transition going on in your home. Uh, Perhaps your children are getting married off one by one now it's been 25 years. Or perhaps they're moving away. Or perhaps they're going into the ministry. Or perhaps they began a career and they're moving somewhere else. And now you're at the midway point. And you look up and it's just you and Ralph. I'm sorry, ladies, but you can't run away. You have to stay with Ralph. You know, the midway point is the hard time. I can recall God was building my own heart so much in that first building and my uncle was building it. Bill Stoppy passed away at age 68. And my uncle Bill, as he'd build that, we, we got about midway through and I said, Uncle Bill, I don't know. Man, I'm just, do." We, I can remember saying it. Do we just stop? Do we just stop? And, 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 just let the people catch up and recoup and we just stop. He said, we can never stop. I don't think I've ever told this church. I've never really had an offer to go. I had two offers in all the years I've been here. But one offer came in that time. We needed a half a million dollars and the church that was inquiring had a half a million dollars in the bank. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? I think if, 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 if I would have said, okay, let's go here, that would have been the midpoint. I think that would have been the death of my ministry. I think if I could name four of America's leading pastors that all said to me, here's this thing that's opened up and we think you ought to consider taking it. And it was a major ministry. All four were my heroes, all four in heaven now. You know, at the midway point, it's dangerous. The, The summer is the, we're at the midway point six months. Soon of the year is going to be gone, and on June 30th and 30 days from now, we're in the midway point. I don't know if this is true or not. I don't know how you'd ever chart it, but it seems like a lot of people do well May and June, and then about July and August they start to mess up. The midway point. We we talk about good night, I'm 40. I'm um, 35, 40, I'm, I'm halfway, I'm halfway there, uh, it went so fast. Let me tell you something about the other half, it goes a lot faster. When you're building something, the midway point is always difficult. That's why we have a midweek service. We've always tried to vote on major things on Sunday night because I feel like after Sunday school and Sunday morning and Sunday night and singing and preaching and tithing and giving, I feel like the church is here. But you know what happens? On Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, we, we face this old world, we face the devil and we face our flesh and we face, face discouragement and we face so many things in life and God gives us Wednesday night, hopefully to give us energy to look toward the weekend and serve the Lord again. The midway point. I see number five, six. In rebuilding, there should be completion. Chapter six, verse 15. So the wall was finished. In This book, they're rebuilding. But there needed to be a completion. A completion. We're gonna finish it. More than ever, people say, I mean, you think I ought to drop out of college? No, no. Brother Moore, no, 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 no. Don't drop out. Stay in. Stay in college. Who knows what God wants to do? You've heard it so much, I won't go the whole ordeal other than say it It was that sophomore year, uh, the second semester when I I knew, I said it the other day, I I knew I was going to quit college that day and God gave me Jeremiah 12.5. You keep building till you finish something. You stay in school till you finish. We had a—I don't know—was it not? Wasn't junior high? It was sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade soccer this year. And we have the other teams, and we have—I don't know what—how many teams? But we have this team, and those boys won one game. How oh, of you boys sitting right down there? One game, and I think that was a forfeit game, wasn't it? Yes. And they'd lose games by huge scores. Referees that would come and umpire the game, call them umpires for soccer, is that what it is? A referee. Referees would come and, and they, they, they'd be playing these teams and good night, those boys were good. I went and saw two of the games. They were good. They would score. Our guys would get right back out there like, let's go, we're gonna get this game. We're only down 12 to zero. I like that fighting spirit. Because those sixth graders and seventh graders and eighth graders, as they're going to grow, we just might have a pretty good team down the road here. And we have a good team now. I'm just talking about they'll grow. And then I want you to see number seven. When you're rebuilding, there ought to be spiritual growth. In chapter seven and verse number 67. The latter part of the verse, there's 240 and five singing men and women. There's spiritual growth. Why? How do I know? Because there was singing that showed up. There was stewardship that showed up. Verses 68 through 72. I have money dollar signs by all those verses. Verse 70 and verse 71 and 72. There was scripture in chapter eight. The book of the law, the book of law. You'll see that all throughout that great text, but especially verses two through nine, the book of the law, the word of God. Verse number eight, so they read the book of the law distinctly and gave sense and caused them to understand the reading. You know, when you're rebuilding, and you're rebuilding spiritually, you'll start to sing. When was the last time you just burst out singing? Something's probably missing because he has put a new song in my heart, even praise. Some have lost your song because you're going through a sorrow or a disappointment. Perhaps a sweet family is watching whose son who's going to be here this fall was tragically killed this week. His brother is one of our graduates, a youth pastor. And I said to that graduate, and he may be watching right now. No, he's in church, I think, tonight. But, he, but, but I said, be sure, be certain. That you take time to grieve. Don't be so strong for your youth group, and don't be so strong for everybody else, and don't be so strong for your parents. So you, they they need, and your dad's being so strong. Don't be so strong that you you. you, you and, and I do know their families do. They they weep, they, they they cry, and they're they're adjusting. I don't know, and it's going to be a long ordeal. I know that. But friend, when you get stuck. And when I get stuck on just some difficulty in life and there's no song left, you're gonna have to get your song back. There was singing, there was stewardship, there was scripture. Chapter nine, verse two, there was sanctification. They began to separate themselves, verse two. To stranger, strangers, there was supplication. Chapter nine and verse number five, they began to pray. We are out of time, I won't even go there, but number eight, rebuilding an apostasy. That's chapter 13, Nehemiah leaves, and he comes back, and when he comes back, they moved Tobiah into the house of God and gave him a chamber to live in God's house. They were selling on the Sabbath day, and Nehemiah said, you're gonna stop this nonsense, And if you don't, I'm gonna put my hands on you and I'm gonna deal with you. I like a leader like that. He said, we're not gonna have this nonsense of disregarding God's day. We're not gonna have this nonsense. He said, I took his stuff and I cast it out. We're getting rid of garbage in the house of God because we're rebuilding.